The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I am your illustrious host, Mr. Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, the terror of Mount Hood, the Sasquatch herself, Tammy, the Gur Underwood. Say Gur Tam. Hi, everybody. I had to change it up a little bit, man. No, but when you were doing that, I kept thinking about, like, last night when we were on our way to the venue, and you were making me mad, and I kept saying something. You're like, I don't understand what she is saying. I do not speak the native Sasquatch tongue. (laughs) I was like, oh, I hate you. You're going to have to talk a little bit more into your mic, though. Oh, more? Is that better? Uh, we're going to find out. Just keep okay. yapping. We'll figure it out. Yeah, whatever. All right. So I don't get to pr- uh, present that often at all. Anymore. Anymore. Because yeah. I've, just, I've got so much crap going on. Yeah. That it's just, it's like literally people, oh, Scott, you own your own business. It must be easy. Y'all, I still work 20 hours a day most days. Right. And unfortunately, <laughs> so does Don't we work 36 hours a day? <laughs> Pretty close, man. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the one who actually pays for that isn't even so much me. It's freaking Tammy because she's not just my co-host. She's my PA. So she's got to put yeah. up with me. It's I was like, going to say because, yeah, so I like, don't just do this. for I don't just do this to look pretty on the weekends. I actually like fucking slave all week. Yeah, and she's like, can I sleep? No, if I can't sleep, neither That's can That's right. We no. got work to do. Or he'll be going to bed, get some sleep. Okay. And then why are you sleeping so long? <laughs> <laughs> no, my favorite is when I send you text messages of Tammy. At like 10 o'clock Tammy. at night. Tammy. Yeah. Tammy. <laughs> yeah. No, dude. No. Cracks me up. All right. So today, I have got a pair of brothers for y'all by the name of Ronald and James Allridge. Yep. Let's just dive right into it because I didn't even pre-read this shit. I kind of did a little bit, but not a whole lot. Well, check this out, y'all. Ronald Keith Allridge was born on September 27th of 1960 at a military hospital in West Germany. That's right with the Germans. To James and Othea Ray. Otha Ray. Otha Ray, is that how you say it? That's that? how you're pronouncing it. Otha Ray. Ray Allridge. Oh, no, okay, I, I could see. Yeah. That, okay, that, that checks out. Allridge. His father was a non-commissioned officer in the U.S. Army. A staff sergeant stationed in West Germany. So, you know, you got... The, the bad part about Germany is this right here, is they drink their beer warm. Yes. And it takes a little bit to get used to warm beer. Yeah, it's an acquired taste. But the alcohol level's higher. Much. Much. Dang it. <laughs> you okay over there? Yeah, I thought I had water in my glass, but I don't. But oh, it's okay. Well, text the intern. Oh, yeah. It's huh. his job, man. Make him work for, for his living. James Jr. was born, that's his brother, uh, two years later on November 14th of 1962. Well, in 67, James Sr., that's, that's daddy, retired from the Army, and his family re- relocated to Fort Worth, Texas. Remember, everything's bigger in Texas. Texas. Yeehaw! Where you go for lying. Huh? It's where you go for lying. For lying? Yeah. Instead of hell, you go to Texas. No, no, I can, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. Because Texas is... You know, like, West Texas is dry and hot. Yeah. And then every place else in Texas is hot and wet. <laughs> Humid. Oh, okay. Not like vaginas or anything. I was just saying, how did you say that with a straight face? I wasn't even going to make a vagina joke, but here we are. God dang. And in 1969. Yeah, I paused for effect on that one. Oh, sorry. I was just texting <laughs> the intern. 
The family moved into a house where Ronald and James shared an attic bedroom. James Sr. and Othoray. God, it sounds like a medical disease is what that sounds like. What's up with your eyes? It actually sounds like an old African-American name, like a family name. It sounds like something my eye doctor would say, hey, Scott, I'm sorry, man. You have macular degeneration and Othoray. <laughs> I'd be like, God, dang, yeah, we need to do surgery on your eyes, yeah. buddy. Right now. Any hoosies, um, James Sr. and Otha Ray would have three more children, Stanley, Gary, and Darren. Holy cow. I wonder if they know how that shit happens. And all five boys. Yeah, no kidding. That all is right. heck. Here's a little, uh, S- uh, I almost said SPCA, but a little public announcement. Y'all, sex is the leading cause of pregnancy. It's the most sexually transmitted disease. It's the worst sexually transmitted disease in America right now. You will birth crotch goblins. <laughs> then y'all need to stop. Yeah, you'll regret it. <laughs> five freaking kids. That's a bit much. Stop. Stop having that many damn kids, man. And that goes for you Mormons and Catholics, too. Criminy. Pull out every once in a while. Believe in birth control. <laughs> no kidding, man. Jesus. I, there are Mormons who live here in, like, Vancouver, Washington. And, uh, okay, so when I was still married to Amanda, my ex-wife number two, mm-hmm. we went to buy a used car at someone's house. Okay. That was a Mormon family. Okay. Ready for this? Eleven children. Oh, no, I, I believe you. I'm still appalled. I believe That's just... you, because when I was doing grocery delivery, um, I had this regular, thank you, I had a regular customer that I would often get orders for that lived over off Walker Road in the Back Hills area. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they would order almost $1,000 worth of stuff from Costco every week. Okay? Mm. Every week, Scott. Not once a month. Every week. And when I would deliver it, I would be loaded almost from dashboard to tailpipe. And as soon as I pulled in, 10 kids came walking outside to help me carry everything up. Jamie, And there Christmas. were three little ones inside, too. Well, and actually, when we bought the car, it was before Amanda and I got married. It was before I came into to money. Yeah. So it was a, it was a little Honda um, Accord. And uh, I remember we showed up at the house, and Mom looked frazzled, you like, know. And the like kid, the ragged, kid, huh? The kids weren't even misbehaving. They, were, they, they seemed to be pretty kids. And the dad had that twitch going on. <laughs> yeah. No. You know. They look ragged. He had that look like, I need to drown at least 50% of these children. That's what I need to drown them while I drown myself in booze. That's right. I'm just going to start drinking and, you know. Drinking and dunking. Drinking and dunking. That's why my my theory checks out. I always said if I had, you know, especially if I had 11 kids, I would put them all in a room with sharp objects and say, look, not all of y'all are going to make it out alive. Right. Whoever does, I love you the best and welcome to the family. That's right. Welcome. You guys got 10 minutes. I'm going to be back. I'm going to go get myself some vodka. And, uh, have and watch a, it. Have a little drinky poo here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, good luck, man. Yeah. And I would, I, I would look at at least one of the kids. And go, I'm gunning for you, man. I'm hoping that you make it. I really do. What, what, what was your name again? Number four, kid. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. I don't remember your name, Timmy. Oh, oh that sounds like something. My name, a kid. Okay, yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah, high five that shit. Oh, you're not happy with me, are you? Okay, well, good luck to you. Good luck, man. Hope you make it. Good luck, buddy. You're my favorite. <laughs> Oh, my God. That's messed up. I can see you doing that, though. (laughs) Well, Big Daddy James Sr., he worked in air conditioning. Uh, Work, uh, his work, uh, what the hell? His work prospered. You were right. prospered. Yeah. You, like, kept 
I don't like, have my glasses on because oh. it's in a weird font for me with that with my glasses. It's just weird. Oh. Anyway, his work okay. prospered and the family did very well. They had multiple family outings, going to the zoo, you know, things like that. Being being a family, mm-hmm. which is cool, right? And of course, the family was really religious, but not overly religious. So not like Southern religious. Not like Southern Baptist, but like, hey, man, we're all going to go to church together. And, yeah. You know, let's believe in God, and we're going to do a little bit of praying, but not one of those things like, you're wearing blue socks, you're going to burn in hell. Oh, getting out the, the snakes and charming them and everything. Oh, my God, yeah. That's I mean, that's Southern like, Baptist. Yeah. Not all of them, but no. that's, that, that's that weird sect. That, yeah, it is that weird sect. splinter of... Yeah. And yeah. the Lord killed the serpent, so if the serpent kills you, that means that he that the Lord doesn't find you worthy. It's, oh man, y'all need medication, like yeah. and to be in an insane asylum. Yeah, insane, insane, insane need to asylum. drink bleach. <laughs> so, anyways, the household was described as being full of love. Ronald and James were uh, inseparable. I mean, they were tight, man. Well, yeah, they were only two years apart. Yeah, so they're the oldest, and they're like, "Hey, let's hang out because the rest of our brothers, the rest of our brothers are losers." Yeah, no I, doubt, yo. I can understand that. I can understand that. So, anyway, whatever Ronald did, James wanted to do too. The boys attended OD. Wait, uh, see, pause. What? That kind of seems different though, because Ronald's the youngest. So it's like James is following the youngest footsteps. No, Ronald's the oldest. No, Ronald he? was born on, in 1960. Yeah, I'm going to roll back. James Ronald was born, born 19... two years You're before right. that. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, right. so that's kind of an odd <laughs> dynamic is all I was wanted to point out. That is, that is. Okay, no, you're right. <clears throat> so anyway, the boys went to Wyatt High, O.D. Wyatt High School. Ronald's gym teacher described him as shy and kind of quiet, right? Which I, I can understand, believe it or not, because like, throughout high school, I was pretty shy and quiet. Mm-hmm. Like, like, for real. Uh, until I discovered some f- few things in life and then you know, became a rock star. Um, then my life freaking changed now. Sex, booze, and drugs? Goddamn right. Oh, wait a minute. My favorite word? Jesus Christ. You're right. <laughs> She's going to hate me. You know that, right? She's going to hate me more than she already hates me. <laughs> to the person who made that comment, love ya. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ does too. I'm assuming. Maybe not. I don't know. Stop it. <laughs> All right. Let's get on with this thing here, Jesus Christ. So, funny. <laughs> so anyway, Ronald was mani- manipulative. And, oh, yeah. And could uh, withdraw emotionally from others whenever he wished, whenever he felt like it. He could say, you know what? I'm cutting you off. You get no emotion yeah. out of me, which I can see how that can be taxing on everybody. Oh, I'm sure. So a teacher told uh, their parents uh, disturbing notes uh, had been di- uh, recovered, discovered, uh, in which Ronald talked about wanting to hurt himself. Wow. So James apparently was the polar opposite. Okay. Like, you know, black and white. By the way, they're both black. Night and day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is a black family, by the way. I know. We don't get to feature very many... African Americans on here, so well that's true, and and especially amongst couples, you know, or groups. True, 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 you and know. and you know, actually, I want to, you know, hey man, back up, back off, because us white people, we're we're the killers. We're that's the- right. <laughs> you know what? That's our thing. Let us do our thing. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us alone. Oh God, dang. Anyway, <laughs> it's a polar opposite, right? Uh, for he was described as an outgoing, really popular, and generally caring person. James played tennis and spent a lot of time outdoors. He's, he's a nice outdoors kind of a guy. Okay. 
Which is very and, okay, different. For an African-American to play tennis in the 60s and 70s says how affluent their family was. Right. Well, you know, let's be honest, man. African-Americans doing a whole lot of outdoorsy things. Well, is that's kind of true. Weird. Says Even a the, lot of. Because like my black friends, if I go, hey, you want to go hunting? Uh-uh. I know how that happens, brother. Yeah. I know what happens. They don't when go a, skiing in the mountains. When a black man go hunting with a white guy, a bear going to show up. You're going to trip me, and I'm going to die. Well, maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. not. <laughs> it's, it's wrong of you to assume the worst. <laughs> That's what I tell him. It's wrong of you to assume that I'm going to trip you. I've got pork chops. I'm tying one around your neck. <laughs> yeah, No. <laughs> Why would I trip you? I just have to run faster than I'm you. I'm <laughs> really surprised that I have minority group people that are my friends. Like, seriously. You know what? I am, too. Like, Actually, I'm surprised you have any friends. Like, you know, I've got <laughs> friends that are more than one friend that's black. And I got, you know, Mexicans and some people that are Jewish. And I was shocked by how many Asians you had on your friends. A lot of Asians. <laughs> I was got like, a lot what? of Asian friends, man. And, and here's the weird thing. Like, when I make Asian jokes... Even my Asian friends that are from places like Korea or Thailand or Thailand or wherever, they're, oh, Scott, you are so funny. <laughs> and then I look at them, oh, are you all funny too, Fat the Hole? <laughs> so, oh, that's not nice. You call me Fat the Hole. And then actually, I made that joke to a friend of mine that's Vietnamese, and he said, wait a minute. <laughs> I knew a person in Vietnam that was named Fat the Hole. <laughs> Some bitch. Then he, I, I'm pretty sure he thought in his head, though, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know. Some bitch, he called me a fat hoe. <laughs> but I know people named fat hoe. <laughs> That's not right. Yeah, because that is a Vietnamese. It is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then, of course, her sister. <laughs> Dumb hoe. <laughs> God dang. I got to stop. This is just you terrible. You have to stop. I'm, I'm actually feeling bad. Well, a little. Let's anyway, just say bullshit. <laughs> so, come March of 1976, Ronald, now 15, robbed the local department store of several watches. Wow! Rolex, yo, three guns and multiple boxes of ammo. Well, you know, if he's got the guns, he needs the ammo, right? Then I agree, man. You can't have guns without ammo. Come on, people, cut him a break. No, sh- no shoot, yo. He began regularly bringing one of the guns to school. Now, keep in mind, this is the 70s. It's not like it is yeah. today. Like today, yeah. if you brought a BB gun to school, SWAT's going to come out, and they are going to take you out there. Like, you have a you have an open target, and it's green. Green. That's right. Green. Take green. your target. And then you'll see 10,000 little red dots on this dude. No kidding, <laughs> no kidding man. You're going to hear things like, target acquired. And target down. <laughs> That's right. Target down. Um, anywho, he would show the guns to his classmates and comment about when he was ready to shoot someone. That he was about ready to shoot someone. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And in ready, ready, red, we have, although Ronald's parents were concerned about the notes and his inability to, conf- uh, to conform to expectations at school and at home, he received no psychological help in dealing with the things troubling, uh, tumbling around in his head, nor any of the students report the guns or his statements once again different time if he if he'd received help perhaps what happened next could have been avoided these warning signs simply weren't known at the time and that's true it wasn't until like kip kinkle 
Uh, um, wait, Kip Kinkle and the Columbine Boys. Right. The Kip Kinkle, I think, was first. Was here in, no, I think Columbine was first and Eugene What's was second, I think. Columbine first, I thought. I mean, they happened, like, really close together. Let me double check real quick because I don't want right, to. I, I thought it was Kip Kinkle because my, my dad and I were in Atlanta. And when it came on the uh, on the radio, and we're all no way. I mean, that's pretty. Uh, Eugene's pretty close to Portland. It's okay. only a couple hours away. Um, hang on. The Columbine High School massacre occurred on April twentieth, nineteen ninety nine, and Kip Kinkle did his school shooting on um, May twenty first, nineteen ninety eight. You're right. It happened a year before. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Uh, matter of fact, uh, my dad and I, because uh, I had started, uh, you know, driving with my dad mm-hmm. because my dad's crazy. Uh, we were sitting in Kennesaw, Georgia. Okay. And uh, that's yeah. That's when that when Kip Kinkle happened. Yep. I still remember. Well, and that was like really because that was like one of the first major school shootings the U.S. had ever experienced, and it was so close to home. Right, and, every, that, and I mean, yeah, it, it really devastated the entire U.S. I mean, we, well, everybody was still, yeah. we don't understand why this happened, and it really affected the Pacific Northwest here. I mean, everybody here in Oregon. Right, and I know. remember going to high school. Um, I had to do a, uh, a stand-up report, and we could pick any subject that we wanted on history. And I did the history of firearms. Okay. So, to school, I brought a three oh eight and a thirty out six. Okay. And, you know, I had to, I checked them into the office, and I pulled the bolts out of them and, and everything like that, because they were bolt action. And uh, then when I was ready to do my report, I went and I got them as, as displays. And, you know, showed them to the class, and nobody even flinched around, wow, that's that's awesome that you like to hunt. I said, well, yeah, I was raised Well, hunting. and that was in California, too. That yeah, wasn't that, even in Georgia. Yeah, and that was in California. So nowadays, though, man, like I said before, if you brought a BB gun to school, dude, SWAT oh, yeah. is coming out. Like, yeah, no joke, yo. So that's how much Kip Kinkle really affected yeah. The, the dynamics of schools, because after him, it just spitballed. You had yeah. Columbine. You had, uh, and in, even recently in the last few years, you had like Sandy Hook and... Yeah, um, the elementary schools. And yeah, shit. things yeah. like that. It just really snowballed yeah. out of control. And you have the university shooting. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. And I think I've got a reason why that happens. When you demonize anything, okay, so people have demonized guns so much. Like, guns kill people. Guns don't kill people, y'all. I kill people. That's right. People kill people. People kill people. People pulling the trigger kills somebody. You know, we never blame the car for a drunk driver, as I always say, or the knife. We blame the person. Yes. But with guns being demonized so much as being such so lethal and dangerous and you should always avoid them and blah, blah, blah. If somebody is at their wits end and they got nowhere else that they feel that they can turn... What are they going to do if they want to if they want to do something violent? It's not fist fighting anymore. No, they're going for guns. Mm-hmm. I'll show them. Yeah, because now you demonized mm-hmm. it so much, you've told them that it's the worst thing that they can do, and instead of teaching them gun safety and respect for firearms, yeah, just guys, I have been in fights after fights uh, in high school. Oh, me too. And while we all beat the shit out of each other, you know what never happened? I never went home and got any of my firearms and I had handguns too. And you're all still alive. Yeah. And I never sat there and said, hey, Billy over here, uh, I, you know, I'm going to shoot him. Never happened once. Well, and you know what else didn't happen in our, in, while we were growing up as kids is the bully was not protected by the school. Yeah. That is and the true. victim is the one that, you know what I mean, is at fault. So, 
that did not happen. If two kids got into a fight on the playground or in the hallway, you know darn well that there was a good reason. And it was settled by the end of that fight. Oh, hell yeah. You know? Hell yeah. And I, it wasn't one person's fault over the other one. They just had to settle a score. <laughs> a, a good example, and then I'll go on with this. Uh, I've talked about my buddy Fred Wilcox. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And him and I had a disagreement. We got into a fist fight. We beat the ever-loving shit out of each other. And then when everything was said and done, we sat down. We're both bleeding. We're both sore. And it was, you done fighting? You say, yeah, I'm done fighting. So I'm done fighting, too. You hurting? I'm hurting, man. And I'm spilling blood. Yeah, I'm spilling blood, too, buddy. Okay. That was stupid. He said, we're good? Said, yeah, we're good. I said, yeah, I think we're good. And, and we fucking, we shook hands, and we've been, you know, we were friends ever since. Yeah. No problem. But not these days. People go, I'm going to go and get a gun and shoot people. And you're, then, then your parents didn't raise you right, man. Yeah. Because I still have guns to this day, and I'm not shooting anybody with few exceptions. Like, if they come into my house, you break into my house, that's a whole different story. And anyway. me the other day. No, I'm kidding, people. Huh? I said, and me the other day. And then I said, I'm kidding, people. <laughs> Tempting. So tempting. <laughs> All right. James would later talk about how if you told Ronald no, he would physically harm you. So he stopped saying no and didn't and uh, and did, and what, did he said. what he said. Yeah. That's what it says. That makes sense. On April 12th of 76, Ronald brought a gun to school after uh, a crowd of students surrounded the outside uh, the boy of the boys' restrooms. Uh, he shot 15-year-old Lorenzo Keelan in the chest and abdomen, killing him. Wow, so that's even before Kip Kinkle. Holy shit, okay. 15-year-old James Christian was also shot, but he survived. When something like this happens, everyone wants to know why. In this case, the motivation is unclear. Lorenzo and Ronald had previously uh, either been fighting over a girl, or had some sort of burglary dispute. Wow. It wasn't long before Ronald was apprehended. Police found him walking along Old Mansfield Highway with the gun still in his possession. While he was in custody, a psychologist diagnosed him as paranoid schizophrenic. Oh, wow. In 1977, he pled guilty and was sentenced to 10 years. He served his sentence in the Texas Department of Corrections in Ferguson Unit. So, for being just being diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia at a, such a young age says a lot. Well, yeah, because that usually doesn't present until your late twenties, early thirties. So, is that what happened to me? Yeah. All right, fantastic. <laughs> in 1983. After serving seven years, Ronald was released from prison. No parole would be required as long as he got a job. Oh, well, there you go. A killer with known psychological issues re-enters society with no supervision. Yeah, yeah. That, that's going to bode really well. Uh, what could go wrong? Yeah, what could go wrong? I have. Yeah, hey, you want your gun back? Here you go. <laughs> he did manage to get hired at a restaurant. But was fired in 1984 due to his constant tardiness. Okay. Not retardiness either. No. Just being late. Late. That's funny. Funny. I don't feel tardy. I was just going to say, same, it's funny. <laughs> I don't feel tardy. <laughs> Sometime during 1984, Ronald and James moved in with Ronald's girlfriend, Kathy Jarman. Okay. During the time Ronald spent behind bars, James worked steadily as a baker 
uh, is that Barker Wood Design? At Barker Wood Design. Jesus, yeah. I can't read. Well, I'm going to take out the A too. So that's what threw me. Yeah. Out. Stephen Barker, the owner and James's boss, described James uh, as idolizing his brother. In his opinion, James hoped to build a relationship with his brother after all the time that they had spent apart. Wow. Overpowered any realistic view of Ronald's past uh, and the actions of which put him behind bars. Wow. For James, Ronald could do no wrong. A friend from high school recalls how whenever Ronald uh, was around, James became a completely different person. Whatever Ronald wanted him to do, he would do. It was similar to uh, like a battered wife syndrome. Wow. Where Ronald's actions became rationalized in James's mind. Yeah. That makes, I mean, it makes sense. After losing his job, Ronald dis- uh, decided to return to the one thing he knew that he was good at. Little brother James joined him in committing the series of armed robberies within and around Fort Worth area. Wow. Uh, The Allridge brothers were aided in some instances by another pair of brothers, Clarence and Milton Ray Jarman. So I'm thinking that's got to be the brother of his girlfriend. Yeah, she says it next. (laughs) Oh. Okay. I'm just, I'm thinking ahead. Okay. I know. So we'll just skip that. Okay, so on January 14th of 85, Ronald robbed Krusty's Pizza Shop in Fort Worth. How dare he? Yeah. Pretty sure he's going to be hitting the Krusty Crab down in Bikini Bottom. Wow. Pizza. He did it at gunpoint. Of course. Ronald killed 19 year old buddy Joe Webster. That's a Southern name. Junior. So is. (laughs) The manager with a 22 caliber pistol. Ronald wasn't just a robber or a murderer, but also. An employee. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Dude, that's Jack. Oh, no. What's Jack is the next part of that sentence. Who happened to be on shift. Yep. <laughs> he called the robber. He called in the robbery after allegedly getting back from a delivery. He said he found Buddy dead. Police, of course, questioned Ronald and tested his hands for uh, GSR, gunshot residue. Which is, which is standard operating procedure, by the way. Right. But the results were negative oh, because wow. he had thoroughly washed his hands before calling the cops. Oh, of course. So at least he's not stupid. So I got to respect that. Later, Rob, Ronald would describe how, after the murder, he went home and went to sleep afterwards completely unfazed by what he had done. Yeah. One second. Oh. I wasn't following along completely. Otherwise, I'd have done that for you. It's all good. Because I'm um, doing it ahead here, yeah. too. So, there you go. <laughs> On February 3rd of 85. No, you left out the red part. I did, but is it important? Kind of. Uh, an uncomfortable realization is that while Ronald was robbing the shop and committing murder, he was getting paid for it at the time. But that's a given. He was an employee. I know, but. He was there. I know, but unless, I mean, because I didn't even think about it until it was put in context for me. It's like, oh, crap. That's a double dip with a nacho chip. Yeah, that's no that doubt, is. yo. <laughs> On February 3rd of 85, the Orridge brothers drove to a Circle K convenience store in Fort Worth. James had previously worked there and knew where the combination and knew where the combination to the store safe was kept. Wow. Ronald dropped James off and parked around the corner out of sight 
out of sight, out of mind. Right. The store was uh, had already closed down, but 21-year-old Brian, what the hell? Clendenin. That's like a stutter. Clendenin. Anyway, we're still in the building and he was working, probably just cleaning up, you know, making sure the place looks ship shape. James asked Brian if he could get some change and use the payphone. Brian recognized James and since it was someone he knew, he went ahead and unlocked the door. After Brian got him the change, James pretended to use the phone and left. Brian locked the door behind him. Like, okay, you're out of here. Cool. Bye, James. Well, when James returned to the car, Ronald accused him of getting cold feet, prompting him to go back to the store. It's unclear what he had said to get Brian to reopen the doors, but after he did, James pointed a 25 caliber pistol at him and forced his way inside. Wow. He took Brian into the storeroom and they made sweet love. No, um, they didn't do that. They did not do that. And he tied his hands behind his back with electrical cord. No, maybe they did. Maybe they did. Maybe, maybe, maybe. No. That's some of my days. Stop it. Okay, my bad. While he was emptying the cash register in the safe, James heard a noise in the store from the storeroom, which you know, the, the stock room. That's where they store shit. This prompted him to go back. When he got there, uh and he saw Brian had moved. I got it. Thank you. Yeah. James forced Brian to his knees. Ha ha. No, yeah. No. Oh, and shot him twice in the back of the head. Yeah, I saw where you were going mentally. I saw where they should have been going. Just saying, that could be a good date night right there. Yeah, it didn't have to end the way it did. Exactly. Maybe Brian was into it. Like, I never thought you'd ask. I have always thought that you... The most handsome black man. You I've ever are seen. horrible. This guy what? just got shot. But maybe he had a crush on him. You ever think he, about he that? He could have. He could have. No, you only think of yourself. That's what it is. Maybe Brian was actually heartbroken. Going, I can't believe it because I'm. I kind of have a crush on him, but now he's being kind of an a hole. Just saying. You're bad. Go. James returned to where Ronald uh, was impatiently waiting in the car. Then. Thought he had better check to see if Brian was actually dead. However, he decided fleeing was a better idea, and that uh, better idea when he saw a woman in the store's parking lot. Good idea. Don't hang out, man. The woman was Doris Clennon, Brian's mother, who was there to pick her son up from work. That is jacked. As she walked towards the door, Doris saw a man running away from the store. She went inside, uh, saw loose change on the floor, and immediately left to call the police from a nearby Whataburger restaurant. You know, which is probably the smartest thing she could have done. That's smart you know, than what because, most people do. Most people would sit there right. and would be calling their kids because, unfortunately, us parents are stupid. I know, and I was going to say, because if she would have re- encountered her son in that position, I don't think she would have been coherent enough to call the police. Right, right, right. But you know? most of the time, you know, most parents would have right. gone and go, Brian? Brian? And gone looking for him and yeah. then touched everything. Touched everything. You know, and then contaminated the site. She did the smart thing. She yeah. saw the situation. She stayed calm. Yeah, she realized she there was something wrong. analyzed it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, light yeah. the cigarette. And she said, all right, adios. I need to call the cops. I'm I like, know. My, I'm pretty sure my son is injured or dead. Yes. 
and I need I, I, I need law enforcement here. Correct. There's no use in both of us being terminated. Correct. By the Terminator. I'll be back. The police found Brian alive in the storeroom. Oh, but the next day he died yeah. from his injuries. Oh, that's jacked. That's man. jacked up. I'll tell you why that's jacked. Okay, as a parent, if the police came out and said, let's take Jake. Mm-hmm. Your son has been shot and he's dead. Right. That's devastating. Oh, yes. That's devastating. But once you get done grieving, you can you start to heal. Right. Now, if they said... Your son's alive. We're going to go to the hospital. Now I have hope. Yeah. You have a sliver of hope. I'm a, oh, my son's going to survive. That's freaking awesome. To find out the next day, sorry, man, Jake checked yeah. out. He's taking, you, you need to put him in the ground. Yeah. He's going to take a dirt And nap. then you wonder, if I wouldn't have left and called the police, if I would have just helped him, would he have survived? Right. I mean, you go through all those what ifs. Yeah, so that's, that's worse. God yeah. Dang. I'm telling you, man, that's a dick move. Yeah. God. He's not happy now. Investigators did not know if the crime at the Circle K and the Krusty's Pizza was connected, but they suspected it as much. Both were uh, execution-style murders for a little amount of money. Right. That's what I kind of figured, because like a pizza parlor and a Circle K, you're not getting thousands and thousands of dollars. You're getting a few hundred. Right. I have to make a correction there, because that was wrong. (laughs) But yeah, you'll find out exactly how much. Oh, no, here in a minute. All right. On another one. On February 7th, James and Ronald robbed a pizza hut uh, right around midnight. Two black males wearing ski masks with armed hand, with, and armed with handguns forced the two female employees to lay down on the floor in the back room. And that's how the sex scene started. Scott! What? Stop it. Fine. They got away with $830, which is equivalent to $2,285 today. Still, that's chump change. Yeah. Like, seriously, man, I have been at business meetings with several executives. It wasn't just me and one other person. Well, we've spent more than that. On wine. On wine. On the cheese for the wine. Yeah. I mean, you know, my, my, you know, some of the meetings that I've had out at wineries and everything, when it went from wine tasting to wine drinking, I've seen the tab. Yeah. We've spent more than that just drinking wine. Yeah. Much less what they sent me back with. Right. But, so, yeah, that's just, you, you're, you're screwing people over for chump change. Yeah. So, I'm already pissed. Just fucking greed. God dang. Right. From the other register, they got another 300 No, from their purses. Because they got it's the, from the register. 830 from the register and then not from the other register. Oh, gotcha. Okay, my bad. Yeah. And another $300, which is $826 now from their purses. Oh, there you, you go. And then they left. Yeah, at least they didn't kill anybody this time. It's a total dick move. Yeah. Just, just, those girls had to have been terrified. It's horrified. I just. I mean, Jesus. yeah. Not knowing whether they're going to live or die is not, I mean, No. I'm hoping this year has a happy ending. Like, I don't really wish for, especially, you know, anybody who's not a serial serial killer to die. But I'm hoping these two go out in a blaze of glory with lots of gunshot wounds. Or... And, and being raped by rhinos. Or, or being fried by an electric chair. I don't know. No, Either one. i good, too. I'm good with that. Fry them on up. Extra crispy, like chicken. Right. Ten more robberies like this one would occur within a month. 
Wow. Including on March 9th, the robbery of a Pizza Hut where three men robbed the store and 16 customers. Holy cow. The following day on the 10th, four men armed with guns robbed uh, an IHOP pancake house. How dare they rob IHOP? Sorry, had a fly. No, that's okay. They could have gone to Waffle. No, not no. (laughs) I say they could have gone to Waffle House. No, 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 no. no. Okay, so those of you that don't know Waffle House, everybody knows IHOP because they're everywhere. IHOP, you go in and you have a guy, a guy or girl go, "Hi, may I seat you? This is great." And then they go, "Let's get, let's start shopping." Like the Rudy Tooty Fresh and Fruity Breakfast, and always nice. And then there's Waffle House. Sit where the hell you're gonna sit. (laughs) Now, what do you want? Can I have a menu? They're right there. <laughs> Can I get some eggs? <laughs> yeah, you want eggs? I'm going to give you some waffles with that. Like, how hungry are you? I'm, like, you'll I'm, take the eggs like, the way I make them, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But can I get them over medium? Scrambled. <laughs> okay. And the, the dude, the, if you're working like, if you're at a Waffle House in the middle of the night, is not, the, this dude got out of prison. Yeah. He's got a neck tattoo that says, I murder cops. And a teardrop by his eye. Three or four teardrops <laughs> yeah. by his eye. And he mumbles to himself, you know, all of, and you nope. just catch little things like, not on my cell block, motherfucker. No, <laughs> Jesus Christ, not on my cell block. I'm just hoping I can finish a meal yeah. and get out of here without dying, you know. But the good thing is they will always feed you like, uh, you, can, you can mumble something like, God dang, I would like a few more waffles. You want waffles? I'll give you waffles. Hold on. And they will start just making stuff. Yeah. And throwing it at you. Like, how much do I owe you? I don't know. Um, Like $2. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't care. It's great. They don't care. That's the good part. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, I miss Waffle House, though. You know what? It would be nice to have waffles last night after the show. <laughs> I'm going to buy a waffle maker. You should. That's what I'm doing next. Any hoosies. They, they, they robbed the IHOP uh, and along with 17 customers. Armed robberies in this time period were rare in, uh, in the south side of Fort Worth. Now police had a series of them. Yeah. They were dealing with problems. They should have gone to Waffle House. Right. Because that guy behind the counter would have shot them. That's right. He wouldn't have taken no guff. Yeah. <laughs> He would have not just not shot them. Not on my watch. Not on my cell block. <laughs> he would have blown their knees out and stepped on their throats going, this is my cell block. <laughs> That's right. Whose house you in? <laughs> but no, they had to go for IHOP. That's messed up, man. Yeah, that's messed IHOP up, alone. dude. On the 25th of 85, Carrie Jacobs, Lisa Jenkins, and Carla McMillan, Otto, Went out to eat at a Whataburger, Whataburger restaurant. And Whataburger is huge in Texas, by the it's way, hu- y'all. It's huge in the South. Because I, I saw it. Uh, it was all over Florida when I was there. Really? I yeah. I have only seen them in Texas. No. Weird. Okay. The same Whataburger, by the way, that Brian's mother, Doris, had called the cops from. Wow. So at least they're staying close to home, right? Yeah, right. Ronald James, along with Clarence and Milton, entered the premises. Ronald was armed with a shotgun. And two of the others had pistolas. Wow. One of them shot out the glass door on the east side of the restaurant with his gun. Then stayed stationed at the restaurant's west door. Based on the process of elimination, it's logical it was Clarence at the door. 
Ronald later stated James was the getaway driver. Like, boogie down, man, before the fuzz gets, gets here. <laughs> that actually comes from my dad, from, yeah. a, from a wreck he got into, by the way. Um, for those of you that have not caught up and listened to that story, so when my dad first started truck driving, um, can't remember where he was, but uh, he, uh, he he's turning left and he hit a, uh, a conversion van. This is back in, like, the 70s, so you had, like, the, the mural on the side and everything like that. Yeah. So he gets out to, you know, to figure out what they're going to do. And this black guy gets out with a big fro and goes, man, book it down, book it down before the fuzz gets here. Got in his van and left. And left. <laughs> yeah. And that has stuck with and me that ever was, since. And that was back before conversion ban- vans became synonymous, synonymous with chomos. Chimo man. <laughs> He's a chimo man. Milton leaped over the counter, uh, raided two cash registers, in the process of knocking one of them over and accidentally dropping his pistol. I gotta go get your dog, sorry. Which also discharged. Hey, he had a premature just discharge. <laughs> You're horrible. After the employees gave him the money, he went back over the counter and fled the restaurant with uh, the others. During this time, 19-year-old Clara and her friends were approached by Ronald. <clears throat> he threw a black bag at her and said, fill it up, bitch. The bag fell to the ground. Carla raised her hands uh, if to surrender to show, that she, that, to show him that she didn't have anything. And Ronald fatally shot her in the chest. She hadn't had a chance to say a word. Wow. Ronald was ordered, uh, then ordered uh, Carrie to pick up the bag, and Carrie did as she was instructed and gave Ronald the bag along with uh, his wallet. I guess Carrie's a guy. I guess so, too. Yeah, because considering how it's spelled, yeah. All right. Then backed up with his hands raised up against the wall. The four men then left uh, through the shot-out window. One of the store's employees, Melvin Adams, I love that name. I know, huh? That is very black, by the very. way. Very. But I, I, and I can see him. But I like that name. Now, you can't go wrong with a Melvin. No. Uh, who was waiting on... You don't on, hear it very often, but no. Yeah, I know. I can't do that name. Uh, who was waiting on the two customers that night, recognized Ronald's voice. He had previously worked with them at Domino's Pizza. They just a whole bunch of pizza places going on whole, here. In restaurants. You notice that? Like fast food. But it's and, mostly yeah, pizza chain, places, yeah. man. Like, yeah, I like pizza too, but damn. Chill the hell out a little bit, boys. Ow. While investigators uh, waited for the arrest warrant to be signed, they staked out the apartment Ronald had uh, provided them with the... Uh, the apartment Ronald had provided them the, with. The address, I probably. Got, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Damn, she needs to learn to write. I got it. I got it. Anyway, when he was uh, with the Krusty's Pizza. Mm-hmm. Detectives observed uh, a 1972 Chevy uh, pulling up to the manager's office. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry. A black man who did not match the description of Ronald exited the vehicle and went inside the office briefly. Upon leaving the office, he entered the apartment they were watching. Detectives asked the apartment manager who it was. He identified him as James Allridge. That's his brother. 
the brother of the brothers. It's a brother of the brothers. <laughs> Walking by the Chevy, detectives were clearly able to see the shotgun in the back seat. This enabled them to get a warrant for James's arrest. I'll fix that too. He was 22. It was later revealed the shotgun contained two live shells in the magazine and a spent shell in the chamber. Wow. When the warrants for Ronald and James arrived, Kathy signed a consent to search form. Oh, whoa. They, this may have been a move to protect their daughter and her son from a previous relationship, by the way. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, totally. I can see the woman saying, you know what? Leave me and my kids out of this. Search the place. Like, seriously, because, you know, I talk about Drew Barrymore all the time, how I'm in love with her. But if if I knew that she was doing some nefarious shit and the cops rolled up with a search warrant and even my son being 19, you know, I'd be like, yeah, you can search this place as long as I can protect me and my son. Yeah. As long as you leave me out of it. Yeah. You got to leave me out of it. You got to leave my kid out of it. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I I can totally see where she's at with that. During the search of the apartment, investigators found a loaded 22 caliber pistol, which had been fired once, 19 22 caliber bullets, and a black nylon bag between the mattress and the box spring of Ronald's bed. Wow. A 25 caliber semi-automatic handgun was found in a different bedroom. Police also searched the couple's 1981 Datsun. If you wow. don't know what Datsun is, it was an old Nissan. Dude, look it up. They yeah, are look awesome. It up. I miss the Dotsons, man. On March 25th, warrants for 18-year-old Milton and 19-year-old Clarence Jarman were issued. Clarence was arrested uh, returning home from work, and Milton was arrested as he came out of the house uh, to investigate the commotion. Oh, well, yeah. Like, what's going on out here? And they said, you're under arrest. Damn. Should have hid under the bed. <laughs> yeah, because that's where they're not going to look. Ronald was charged on March 28th of 85 and placed under a $1.1 million bond. Wow. So I big him out for that time. Yeah. So let's get to the trial. While awaiting trial, the, Al- uh, the Ulrich brothers were questioned about the other murders. Ronald eventually confessed to 13 armed robberies and the murder of Buddy Joe Webster. Wow. James was connected to the murder of Brian Clinton. Stop it. Both were ordered to stand trial for capital murder. The Jarman brothers cooperated with the police, saying they had no idea Ronald was going to shoot someone. In an interview with the Oxygen show Killer Siblings, uh, decades later, Clarence Jarman talked about the events following the robbery, and he said, quote... Love the quotes. Yeah. And she actually put it kind of like in italics. I know. I saw that. So, yeah. Bonus points for her there. Man, when we got back to the car. Stop it. What? (laughs) Fine. Fine. Jesus Christ. (laughs) When we got back to the car, the first thing I asked Ronald was, why did you do that? And his first response was, you didn't know the bitch. Why do you care? And I said, man, Scott. Fine. He didn't say it like that at all. <laughs> Fine. You don't know how he said it. Man, you just shot the girl in cold blood. Ronald is an evil man. It seemed like whatever Ronald told James to do, James would just do it. Like Nike. Yeah. Just do it. 
He didn't say like Nike. That's me. No, that's Scott's quote, but yeah. <laughs> Ronald's ar- uh, argument during his trial was that uh, Clara's murder was an accident. The accidental firing of Milton's gun had startled him into pulling the trigger. Firearm experts testified for both the defense and the prosecution. Jack Benton, for the defense, testified only 2.2 pounds of pressure were needed to pull the trigger on Ronald's shotgun. And although he did not quite qualify it as a hair trigger, it is still extremely low, which is true. That's not very much pull. However, on cross-examination, he admit being unsuccessful uh, in firing the shotgun. Hmm. The experts for the prosecution, Frank Sheeler, uh, disagreed with Benton's testimony, saying four pounds of pressure was needed to pull the trigger on Ronald's shotgun. Ronald was convicted of capital murder during his, and during his sentencing, the prosecution reminded the court of Ronald's previous murder convictions yep. and presented evidence of his involvement in multiple other armed robberies. Robert was sentenced to death. Yeah, I figured that. I saw that one coming. And I think it's supposed to be Ronald. Oh, wait, what? Uh, I was just say I could fix it if you want me to, but. Proofread, damn. James did not have a criminal record, and defense did not dispute that he was guilty of capital murder. The defense argued that instead of being sentenced to death, he should receive a life sentence. According to them, he was a good kid who was led astray by his big brother. Yeah, but... A psychologist for the defense testified James was intelligent and competent and was not psychotic or sociopathic. Okay. In his opinion, he wouldn't be a danger to society as long as he was kept away from Ronald. On cross-examination, a psychologist admitted his opinion had been drawn from a two-hour interview with James, which occurred 33 days before he testified. Yeah. He also admitted that James and Ronald had taken up the nicknames Ice Cube and Iceberg. I like ice lettuce. Well, you know what's really weird about that is because there is... You know, the rapper, everybody knows Ice Cube, right? Right. But there's also a famous author out there, um, and he was a former pimp, and his his street name was Iceberg Slim. So it's like they're drawing off those two. Okay, yeah, it could be. Maybe yeah. we're listening to the homie music. Anyway, yeah. the prosecution presented evidence showing James had committed... Uh, or participated in seven armed robberies. The actions which he took before and after the shooting of Brian Clinton. Did you just say it right? <laughs> shooting as we of right there because we can't put right words in here. Right. <laughs> Clearly show calculation and malice. Yeah. Brian had posed no threat to James beyond the fact that he knew him. Yes. It's reasonable the only reason James killed him was to avoid being identified. Which makes total sense. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. James was sentenced to death after he was convicted. James turned around and apologized to Brian's family. A little too late, buddy. Yeah, too little too late, big guy. Clarence and Milton were initially... I'll fix it. (sighs) ...indicted for capital murder but were ultimately uh, convicted of aggravated robbery uh, with a deadly weapon. 
Clarence received 20, a 20-year 20 sentence, while Milton received a 30-year sentence. They had both since been released from prison. Great. Back out on the streets. Yeah. Doing whatever convicts do. do. Whatever convicts do. Well, some of us actually become productive members of society, but some don't. Negative. Female <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> while sitting on death row, James took up painting. Wow. His colorful paintings were sold on the internet and gained him some publicity. Side note, I've seen some of his artwork, and it's good. Quite beautiful. I can see why they sold well. Okay. Yeah. You might have to look at this stuff. S.O. Woods Jr. I don't know what that is. Anyway, the former director of the Bureau of Classifications and Records, who has reviewed every file possible regarding James and Jacoby Jarman. I don't even know who, who the hell is Jacoby? A former corrections officer who worked at uh, Texas Death Row agrees James was a model prisoner. He was not a threat to himself or those around him. Additionally, Jacoby stated, quote, James was the kind of person who made everyone's life easier as far as being able to work around death row inmates. Okay. All right. So he's an officer. Cool. His fellow inmates respected James and would frequently de-escalate the situation. He would de-escalate yeah. the situations. Actress Susan Sarandon puts her nose into everything, damn it. Susan Sarandon. Damn it. Anyway. Jesus Christ. Who was a pen pal says in the years he's been incarcerated, he had become more and more kind and focused and tried to be uh, constructive. He was he has inspired other inmates to use their time uh, that they have to be more productive. Hmm. Ronald appealed his sentence multiple times, and in 1992, he was he successfully granted a stay of execution with a new date set for June of 1985. Wow. On June 8th of 1985, Ronald was executed by lethal injection at the Huntsville unit in Texas. Mm-hmm. He declined a last meal when he was asked if he had any last words. He replied, no. I'm not get, uh, going to say anything. And another side note, when it was time for Ronald to leave for his execution, he wouldn't cooperate. So they sent James in to talk to him. Oh. Like, dude, wow. you got to go, you, man. Yeah, you know what, dude? You knew this was coming. We did what we did. So while James did try to turn his life around in prison, he was executed on August 26th of 2004. His last meal consisted of a double meat and bacon cheeseburger, good choice, with lettuce, tomato, and, a, and salad dressing, French fries with ketchup, banana pudding or banana pudding ice cream, and watermelon. Yeah, I'll let that sit there. Whiter seedless and whiter seedless grapes. Clearly, the details of his last meal are debated. Upon inquiring of any last words, James replied, quote, yeah, I want to thank my family and my friends. My friends, or my family, for all of the loving, uh, for, for loving me and giving me so much love. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. You, Brian's sister, thanks for your love. It meant a lot. Shane, I hope he finds peace. I think that's the sister's name or whatever. Uh, I'm sorry I destroyed you all's life. Thank you for forgiving me. To the moon and back. I love you all. Aww. Shane Clinton and Donna Riles 
Brian's brother and sister, witnessed James's execution along with their mother. Donna denies having forgiven James, although she believes he regretted his actions. Wow. And that's the end of this one. That that was bizarre. A little bit, yeah. What a weird tale, man. Yeah. You know, because I, I think that James could have been so much more than he was, and then he, he chose totally. to follow his, his dipshit brother. Well, and the fact that the older brother followed the path of the younger brother, like I said from the beginning, was odd. Yeah, a little but bit. But it just kind of tells you the personality that Ronald had, yeah. you know, that well, people goats. feared him. So. Yeah. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs, just type in at BrutalNation. We'll pop right up. Get the full story without any of my BS. And did you notice that, like, Dieter and nobody else spoke this time, really? Yeah, I'm kind of glad because Dieter, would, they got, I thought there was going to be a, I thought there was going to be a, rung, a rumble in the it living was, room. It was bad, man. Him and Jethro damn near got into it. They broke some things. Um, there was a lot of yelling. A lot and, of yelling. And then I had to interpret, you know, freaking from German to English and then hillbilly to German to English. You know, kind of like that I Love Lucy episode when they're in Italy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was bad. I, I was a little yeah. scared. I yeah. thought he was going to try to push me into the showers, too, but Dieter didn't. So. Yeah, you know. Anyway, this show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will see you guys later on. Remember, stay cool, stay classy. And if you're hearing this on anybody else's podcast, they are lying, thieving, stealing bastards. Kick them in the nards. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>